maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Janet, welcome to Becoming Legendary. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Can you um, can you do me the favor of introducing yourself to the audience? So anybody who doesn't know who you are, can you just give us the 30 second to 75 minute <laughs> intro? Sure. I'm Janet Lee and I'm a health educator. Basically, I've uh, always been a teacher all my life and I knew that from the youngest age. And so I went into education and am still in it. I'm a health coach, a wellness coach, I specialize in plant-based nutrition. And I just really find a lot of joy in helping people find balance in their life and finding what works for them. And, you know, really leaning into those plants because they're amazing. Mm. Happy to be here. <laughs> plants, plants I knew you guys would get along well. <laughs> plants rock. Yes, they do. Uh, what? What is it specifically about plants that uh, that you're drawn towards? You know, I think it's the vitality of them. I mean, they're they're pure. They're they're so close to nature. I mean, nature creates it. So you have this just beautiful mix of sun and chlorophyll and vibrancy and vitality that you get from it. And um, you know, there's not a lot of labels on it. I like that. Mm -hmm. It's just you know, you pick up an apple or some vegetables and and you prepare them in multiple ways. I'm a raw foodist and a vegan, so there's lots of ways to prepare different kinds of vegetables and, you know, mix them together in different ways, and they're amazing. They they make me feel alive because they're alive, really is probably the premise for me. And then when did when when did the, when did the raw veganism start? Because because you you were you were such an instrumental um, guide in, in my in my wellness and nutrition nutrition path. You sort of helped to jumpstart that, Janet. And mm. my, my relationship now with plants has 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 changed. Um, there are a staple in my diet, a staple in my life, um, and I've and I've learned to to deepen the relationship through through the way that they make my body feel. So to mm -hmm. turn it over to you, um, I love that. Yeah. So to turn it over to you, when when did the when did that journey start for you? You know, it uh, it happened over time. Like maybe with lots of people, I, I didn't have like a dramatic change. Although there were different snapshots in my life that led me to it. So I grew up in the Midwest. You know, had plenty of of meat and sausage and all that. Growing up in Milwaukee, we had amazing cheese and bratwurst and all that. So I grew up with that. But I do have really early memories of reaching for the smallest pork chop, you know, to, so mom would get off my back, but going back and getting seconds and thirds of potatoes or rice or salad or beans or whatever, right? So that was kind of a snapshot. And then I've been an athlete my whole life and noticed that the days that we had really heavy meals like pot roast or something, the next day I was really kind of dragging on the court or around the track, whatever I was doing at the time. And so I just sort of organically, naturally kind of stayed away from them or ate less of that and, um, you know, was able to do well and notice that, um, yeah, just sort of navigated away from me, mostly for the performance perspective. You know, it just didn't make me feel very good. And um, then fast forward a little bit further, I had a really strong uh, stomach issue with milk. And so that I finally, after it happened a few times, put, you know, A and B together and it made C. And so 
Um, I just, you know, gave up dairy or found a replacement. And, um, you know, along the way, people would introduce me to, you know, to more plants and, you know, I would incorporate them. I've always enjoyed them. I did go to massage school in 1986. And down the street from school, we would go to the co-op and they had a raw cafe. And that was probably my first experience to, wow, there's a different way to eat. And I had a spiritual experience, I say. One day we went for lunch and I ordered the living lasagna. And I always made lasagna um, plant-based and enjoyed it. So I got the living lasagna and I really feel like I had this epiphany. Like I really remember saying to myself, this is how food is supposed to taste. And I could just feel almost like my cells were just like, yes, you found us, we're here for you, you know? And um, unfortunately that cafe closed shortly after that, but you know, along the way, just finding uh, different people. I was introduced from a friend to his girlfriend was a chef. And so I, you know, went to some of her classes, then time would go by. And then I just somewhere around 2007 decided that I think I can even feel better than I already do. So I had given up red meat for a long time, was just do maybe turkey at Thanksgiving, then I gave that up. The only thing I held on to, Brian, was fish. And that's because I never had any physical response from it. And it was also socially acceptable. Sure, right. If sure. I came over, oh, thank God she eats shrimp or thank God she'll have some salmon. Right. right. Like, you know, I've never I've never uh, looked malnutrition, I don't think. But um, anyway, then finally in 2007, I said, you know what, I'm going to experiment some more. And so I kind of did a dance for about six months in 2007 with the intention that on January 1st, 2008, I would go vegan. And I did that. But little did I know that on that same day, I actually went 100% raw because you're already 99% of the way there, right? There's sure. no there's no dairy, there's no meat products of any kind. And really the only difference is whether you're heating food or not. And me being over a stove or over a, in the oven really didn't appeal to me anyway. So to me, it was the perfect, perfect mix right there. And so I was 100% raw for 16, 17 months. And then right around that 18th month, my body just said, you know, let's have a little bit of cooked food. And so I've been raw vegan all of that time. So at the end of this year, it'll be 14 years that I've been raw vegan. Wow. Yeah, it's been amazing. That is. It's, um, you have such a fascinating story. Like, and, and one of the ones I was doing some research on your LinkedIn page and, and diving a little bit deeper into, into you, right? And, and I want to I kind of rewind just a little bit. You, you would touch on on the, the Oasis of Healing, the Cancer Treatment Center, um, mm -hmm. briefly in, in, the, in, the, in the teachings and whatnot that, um, that, that we share, that, that, that I gained from you. But more specifically, like how, what, what was your biggest takeaway from that? And can you explain a mm -hmm. little bit more about what you did? Because I think the work, especially these days, right, when people are, are suffering so much from, from, the, from, the sad, from the sad diet, the standard American diet, right? So what were you doing mm -hmm. in that line of work specifically that, that was able to, to heal, heal, heal some of the, the people you work with? Okay. I was in a corporate job, but always on the side, I always had something else going. And my other thing going was always around health and wellness, always helping people, always doing whatever I could to help them just be happier and healthier in that. So I was doing that. And then I left the corporate job. Finally, after 17 years, I'd been wanting to get out and finally the universe said it's time. And so I left there and um, a friend told me about uh, this, uh, a woman that was going to be doing a, a demo at Whole Foods and I went. And um, afterwards I was talking to Colleen, that's, that's the person who was doing the demo. 
and I, we just got to talking and we clicked right away. Like she was Robbie again, you know, she was kind of doing what I wanted to do. And I said, I was looking for work. And so she told me there was an opening at the center. Uh-huh. So I went down there and because I, I had definitely some schooling, I hadn't gone to, um, you know, gotten more schooling at that point yet, but I had a lot of experience. So when it went in and we were talking, it was like, we're talking now, like I lived that lifestyle and that's why I got hired. They're like, you, you know, the food you're making is great. No, you don't have a ton of credentials at this point, but you know what, you know, your stuff and you're walking the talk. And that's important when you're talking to cancer patients and I'm asking them to eat food that is very different for them coming most of them from a standard American to now this 100% plant-based and not only 100% plant-based, but 100% raw. We cooked nothing. Everything we made on campus on the site was we made. So we had ketchup with our, you know, fries that we made. It was in the dehydrator and we made the ketchup. We made the mustard. We made everything. And so to answer your question, it was the most amazing personal and professional experience I could have gotten. In the four years I was there, I was an educator. I was uh, a kind of a coach where I was making sure their accountability was being done. I was kind of the conduit between the you know staff, the medical staff and the person. So I could kind of explain and say, well, this is what they want you to do. Uh, took them on store tours, you know, to teach them how to read labels and what to look for. Cause once they left the center in downtown Mesa, then they would go back to their state or country and they didn't have what we had always. So it's like, you know, educating them was a huge part of it. And that's what I really love to do probably more than anything is education. So it gave me a personal education, right? Of really the value of this. It just validated the things I was already doing. And since then I've been able to help lots of people uh, since leaving there. I've been away from there several years but I still, even to this day, get referrals from there, believe it or not. You know, people put your phone in, in there and it never goes away. So uh, that's that's really cool. It's very satisfying work, you know, heartbreaking, of course, um, because not everybody, you know, gets out of there. But many do and many really transform their health. And that was really exciting to see, again, the power of plants, Patrick, right? So you have these people that are like, what are you talking about? You're like, what out of what? And um, all we would ask them to do is just be willing to be open, right? Be willing to open and just see how your body responds. Your body wants to heal. It just needs the environment to do so. And so what plants do is that it provides that. It provides that vitality that you need. When you have cancer, you are way far on the acidic side, right? There's this acid alkaline balance. And we're need to be in this happy place in the middle or we die. When you have cancer, you've gone all the way over to this extreme acidic side. So to bring it back to balance, to homeostasis, you must bring in the alkaline foods. And that's what plants do best. So it was a great education and, uh, yeah, personal education, too. So I talk about it a lot, as you know, with yeah, being in yeah. classes of mine. I can't not talk about it. You can't be around cancer patients for four years every day and not have it affect your life. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty profound. 100%. I think that I think I want to I want to turn this over to Patrick just for a second because he also is an educator. One, he's a teacher right now, and number two, um, he owns a, he owns his own company called Sacred Plant Company. Um, it's a seed based company, correct, Patrick? I don't want to talk too much about it, but um, I know there's some synerg- some synergy there. So so Patrick, I, I know you have a few questions for Janet as well, man. Yeah, no, I, I so I'm I'm pretty fascinated. Um, 
I'm pretty fascinated with the with the one of the things you said very early on, which is that plants are are very close to nature, um, and that that like hit me in a way because I view plants as nature, and mm -hmm. um, sure, I I do, you know, my my focus is is very much on production of sustainable regenerative agriculture and working with how we can get people to uh, utilize ancient traditions uh, to make more vibrant seeds and herbs. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, I think you, I think what you did is you clarified pretty quickly. You said, uh, you know, vegetables. And I think we think of vegetables as like a different thing. Like people think of plants as like the thing that they water that sits in their windowsill or the thing that lives outside. And then yeah. vegetables are like a thing that we go and like collect from a grocery store. And um, they're the same that like the, the closer you are to the production of your, of your plant food, um, the, the more that becomes like a reality for you. And, and it was, it was shocking to me because I forgot how far I remember when I first started growing in Chandler, Arizona, I would like have what it tomatoes outside and I would see the birds on them and I would see the bugs on them. And then when it came to harvest time, there was like a, there was a physical sensation in me that was like, I do not want to be involved with eating that thing that has been in contact with all of that because I know a bird 30 days ago, shit right on it. I know that for a fact. But the reality is every single thing you buy at the grocery store also is shit on by a bird. And uh, you just didn't see it. So there's this like curtain that we, that we put up in front of our food. And I, I wonder if you have any experience in wild foraging versus grocery foraging. And if you feel a vibrancy component to, to either of those that, that is variant. Hmm. I don't have much experience at all in uh, wild foraging. Uh, the closest, you know, I, my dad always had a garden. So I remember playing in the garden and not playing, but like really being intrigued by the plants and the things that grew in there. And I worked for a couple of years at a nursery in Tucson that worked with developmentally disabled adults. That was quite an experience too. That, yeah. uh, that's one of those chalked up like the cancer, right? So I had the, the honor of working there and serving those clients. And we had a full blown nursery with a master gardener that kind of ran the whole thing. We, you know, the clients did a lot, you know, the work, but it also was open to the public. So watering trees, I remember how meditative and beautiful that was. And I looked forward to going to work. I would ride my bike to work, which was also just a cool experience. Mm. So it was like I was in nature all the time. You know, it was like 11 miles one way. Then I was in it all day for six, seven hours and then back home. So it was just, I felt really connected to the earth at that time. And they also had a greenhouse. So I always loved to take my crew in there and play in the dirt. So yeah, I, I totally feel uh, what you're saying. That's just not something I've gotten, you know, a lot into, but uh Definitely uh, something that I'd like to do more of in the future. Yeah, Your business sounds amazing. It's really cool. It's a fun time. I, um, another thing I want to touch on that you 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 brought brought up earlier, which was the sensation of uh, pulling away from meat as a as a young as a young being. Mm -hmm. 
is there anything is there anything in the psychology of that experience that that you can link to draw to remember about why that might offend well initially it was strictly performance based you know i'm a young person Even it's as a all little about kid. Yeah, you know, it was more at that time as a little kid, it was more about wanting to feel good. Well, actually, I don't even know. I, I don't think I could articulate that as a young person. I didn't not start eating meat till I was um, closer to like late mid school, probably more like high school, early high school. So it again, at first I got in for performance. Then later it was much more about environment, you know, because I really wasn't educated. I just knew that. When I ate that pot roast, I was sluggish the next day. So I was like, you know, X that. But with chicken or, you know, something that was a little lighter or fish or beans or whatever, I didn't have that response. It wasn't something I really noticed right away. It took, you know, took a little bit of time. But, yeah. you know, yeah. when you're performing and I had the honor of, you know, performing quite a bit. I was on a lot of really awesome teams and, and I'm very competitive and love sports. So that was like my life. And it was also my lifeline because home wasn't that great. So it was my family and that was my main focus. And so me feeling good and me performing well was really, really important. It was like my number one job. Yeah. You know, I couldn't control the craziness at home, but I could control how I performed on the court and how I ran around the track and the way intuitively I just knew that meant getting my rest, you know, keeping up with uh, what I need to do at school so that I go to practice because really the only purpose to go to school in my opinion was to go to practice right <laughs> at that time I mean truly I, I really I really didn't like school yeah. I just um it was an escape which was good and it was a place to see my friends and my see my family there right because they truly were so that's how I would say Patrick is that you know it wasn't anything uh life shattering at that time but but still when you look at it from a performance and now with uh you know, with the movie Game Changers that came out a few years ago, they proved a lot of that. And we continue to know the power of, of, of uh, you know, the plants, but also what meat does to you. So, you know, it's not to bash anybody, but, you know, there's, a, there's the whole environmental component and how the animals are treated and, um, and how putting that energy in my body just doesn't, you know, just has never really resonated with me. Yeah. So I will say... Um... I think this is a, I think this is an important piece. I have never, much to the chagrin of my parents, but since I was uh, essentially able to make any cognitive decision, I have not eaten meat and uh, I have refused it from, from it being offered as a little kid until mm. this day. And I always oh. think about, there's a couple of things I think about. There's actually, there's, <laughs> there's a couple of things I think about. One <laughs> is a terrifying thing, which is, uh, I always worry that I'm going to be in a position, right? Cause you always hear about all these Zen masters who are uh, presented with a, with a meat dinner and they say, yeah, I ate it because it was made with love. And uh, I have numerous times in my life uh, attempted to meet. And I just, uh, it's not in, there is, there is a psychological block that doesn't, mm. doesn't work with me. So I always, I have this fear of someone setting down a steak in front of me and um, and me saying, okay, this is a thing we're gonna do and uh, not being able to do it. So if someone were to put a, a lovingly prepared meat dish in front of you, what would you do? I would thank them, but I, I would refuse to eat it. It's funny you say that because I've thought about that like if I had to eat it yeah. and I just almost get repulsed from it. It's an identity for me now. It has been 
you know, I think it has been the whole time, but now I really am in that. I, I have no desire. It does not do anything for me. And uh, I would, you know, I treat it like almost like if somebody said, you know, I'm, I mean, when somebody's got something really big, right, we honor that, right? If they're diabetic, we don't give them donuts or sugar. If somebody had cancer, we wouldn't, you know, give them a bunch of crappy food or ask them to go take a five mile walk with you, right? You honor them. And I feel it's kind of the same way that if they know me, now, if they don't know me, you know, I'm just going to say, you, you, you didn't know. It's okay. No big deal. And I just brush over it. And I'm like, look at all the sides you have. I mean, for years, I ate Thanksgiving and nobody knew I didn't even eat the turkey. I mean, my goodness, yeah. that's supposed to be the main course, but all the sides are the best part of Thanksgiving. So it's uh, it's not as big a deal. I mean, today it wouldn't be as big a deal. Back further when I didn't maybe have the confidence, it might be a little scarier, but I, I like to think that I would uh, be able to handle it with grace, you know, without embarrassing anybody. But today, because there's so many people and veganism and just all different kinds of diets are so much more prevalent part of everybody's you know daily vernacular i don't think it would be an issue but definitely 10 years ago people would think here there's something wrong with you or they'd be totally offended and i like to think that today that wouldn't be quite as bad but yeah good question it's that's that's super interesting to me because i i've been um janet knows a little bit about this story and patrick you, you of course know of course know in depth but recently about about 16 months ago now I think I was clinically diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and um, in that journey one of the one of the nutritionists I was seeing recommended that I go vegan so so I tried that out for about five or six months and over that time my conditions of, my, of the rheumatoid arthritis continued to get worse so mm -hmm. it was um, and then I switched to more of a ketogenic diet focusing on really quality meats. We source our meats from a place called Belcampo, Belcampo Meats. Um, does regenerative farming. They do, it's, it's responsibly um, butchered, all of that. So, and, 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 the, and a combination of, of different therapies that I do as, as well as with the eating have calmed down my symptoms. So it's, but, but, there, but I, can, I can also relate to what you guys are both saying because when I switched, when I switched from the vegan menu to the, to the meat, it was, there was that, there was a resistance. There was almost a fear. It was, it was mm -hmm. a, it was a subconscious thing that was happening to me. And I wasn't meat just recently over like the past two or three months have started tasting like it's supposed to taste like to me, um, like better nourishing. Right. And, and so I, so, and, and I can even sense like when I eat like a carbohydrate or any sort of vegetable that, that I can feel inflammation in my body start to start mm -hmm. to gather. So, you know, it's for all the listeners out there and stuff, it's, it's absolutely every but everybody's body is different, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it's it's really important to 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 listen to, to 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 your heart, listen to your body more specifically. There's no really right or wrong way. We're not trying to claim that. I think it's really important that that the that the differences are so vast between everybody. And it's sure. if, if you're going to eat meat, it's important to find a, a, a responsible, sustainable source. If you choose not to, it's the same thing. Find a responsible, sustainable source of your vegetables too, and your plants. I sure. think it's really really important either way. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to find what works for you. You know, 100%. I uh, was vegetarian and people thought that was weird at the time and uh, going vegan. Then they thought I had two heads and went raw. Boy, they thought I was really out there. And, uh, you know, I guess I was pretty much used to that because I've always been pretty different. So I just kind of roll with the punches. But uh, yeah, there's benefits to everything and finding what works. And, and 
you know, you touch on something important, Brian, which is take the time to listen to your body. You know, you had to do a lot of introspection. You, you already were on that journey, but you even had to dig even deeper. And that's what I encourage people to do. I, I think the issue is when you rely on the outside messages, you know, listening to the loudest advertisement, the biggest, best, whatever, uh, they put a lot of money into trying to convince you. But we know at our core, we know what's best for us. And in my crazy world that I was in, I always had that quiet voice and I'm always grateful uh, for that. And um, I just followed that. And I encourage people to just follow that. Don't, don't listen to other people, find out what works for you, but experiment. Um, you know, people say, oh, I could never give up dairy. I could never give up cheese. Well, have you ever tried? Yeah. And have you ever given your body time to detox, right? There's a period where it's going to be ugly. Like that's life, right? So go through that. If you're, if health is important to you, and I hope it is, because this is the only vessel we have. This is it. This is our home. And if we don't take care of it, who is? So give yourself that time to detox and then start fresh and, you know, bring in some things slowly, not just go from zero to 60, because that's really hard on anybody's body. And mentally, you have to get your head wrapped around things. So I just encourage people to take the time to go inside and then find the, the healthiest option you can, because spending money on the healthiest, you're going to spend more but you get more nutrition from it. You get better yield. You get overall health benefits. And as you know, I say in class all the time, pay now or pay later. That's it. So, you know, yeah. that's the name of the game. You're going to pay those doctor bills now and, and save on the cheap food or you're going to buy expensive, you know, mindful Absolutely. food and save, save on the doctor's bills in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. You spoke of your inner voice. Mm -hmm. So, so how, I've always wanted to ask you this question, but I've never had, never found the appropriate timing. So, so here goes. So how do you, how does Janet Lee, how do you, how do you cultivate that inner voice? Because I can tell by your posts, I can tell by your energy. I can just tell by being around you that the inner voice is what guides your life. Right. And it's, and I'm getting goosebumps talking about this because it's the, 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 the more conscious and the more that I've walked the walk, right. And, and not only talked, but really walked it, the inner voice for me has become um, a, not, not, a, not a small voice anymore, but a loud voice. <laughs> and it's like the loud voice is my, is my guide star. So, mm -hmm. and I could go on about my practices, but I'm not here to talk about me. I want to know about what, what, how you cultivate that inner voice of you. Mm -hmm. Such a great question. You know, it's, uh, it's always there. We all have it. It's just whether or not we listen. And when I was younger, I didn't listen. I was just surviving. And um, so I grew up in alcoholic home, for those of you that don't know. Uh, and so it was, uh, it was a tricky situation. But I, I grew up Catholic, and I'm grateful for that. I'm kind of a recovering Catholic, I like to say now. But I've always, what it did was it gave me a good base. And so the connection that I have to my, my source, uh, I call God or higher power. So at, you know, grew up with, with a God of my understanding. And um, that really helped me to know there was somebody on my side because I felt very much alone yeah. and, um, you know, made my way through life and then decided that this chaotic life that I grew up with was needed to stop hmm. because it was really disruptive. So I got into recovery. So as an adult child and alcoholic, I was in recovery, you know, just full bore. I just dove in really, really hard. And, uh, and that's why I have the piece I have today. So super grateful for 12-step programs. But in that, Brian, they talk about a higher power. So, you know, you're going along reading and you're showing up every week and all that. 
and they talk about this higher power and you know that was like such a comfort that was like you putting a blanket around me or you hugging me right because it was like i know that part i can do that part yes i already had a connection to god yes i'll call it higher power whatever it's that inner connection and that really strengthened it so my my belief in a higher power and something bigger than myself just got super strong and it, it's just been my constant seriously like my entire life um without my higher power i you know i just i wouldn't be able to function so um and then today, you know, being an educator, continuing to be an educator, and I'm a student as well, and always wanting to learn, I'm always just continuing to develop that, right? So I do a lot of self-care things. Um, I have a great morning routine, a great evening routine. All of those things support my wellness. And I'm so good about setting boundaries and saying no, which I, those were two skills I wasn't good at. Yeah. So it's just an ongoing thing. You know, it just, life just gets better. Every decade gets better. Uh, you have more experience to pull on. Um, yeah. So I think I answered your question, but it's, it's the trust in knowing that there's something there bigger than you that you can rely on, but it's also feeding it on a daily and weekly basis, right? You can't just expect it, nothing to be there. It's just like, if I don't work out regularly, how do I expect to get stronger? It's the same concept, right? You're just continually adding or depositing into that, uh, bank of life or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. So, so tell me about your morning routine. Always if, have if, time. If yeah. 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 You know, I look at it in kind of blocks, right? And I know you're really into the morning routine as well. How you set up your day. So how you set up your night is your morning. Uh, but my morning always has uh, a quiet time. So like a meditation time, I do tapping, um, some meditation, always some kind of movement. So whether I go to the gym, I lift weights three times a week, I do cardio probably five or six days a week. So there's always some movement, there's always some quiet, there's always journaling um, and a good breakfast. Those are like the components and they kind of can mix and match with different things, but you know, you get that base and then that repeats in the evening. I mean, depending on how much time I have, you know, each of those blocks could be big or small, but they all get touched on every day. So uh, it's really important to do that because it's an ongoing thing, right? This thing between our ears is uh, wants to take over the world. 100%. And sometimes it's not always in our best interest. Yes. So I do it as much for mind. And the older I get, it's even more for the mindset, right? Yeah. It's the mindset. Um, but I'm also really physical. I love to move. I love to work out. So to me, that's not a, that's not hard. Like I really love working out and moving my body. <laughs> me so, too. Yeah. It's it's yeah. a, it's it's interesting that you that you touched on the consistency piece, right? Because I just had a recent. Um, my father was, um, let's see, today Wednesday, last Wednesday. So two weeks ago today, actually, he was um, he was diagnosed with COVID, and then in within 24 hours he was in the hospital, and within 48 hours he was on oxygen. He had COVID COVID pneumonia and and bacterial pneumonia, and we didn't know whether or not he was going to make it through the night. So this happened super, super fast. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing up the consistency piece is because my, my, the, the tragedy of my mother being lost happened now 11 years ago. Um, and some of, some of the old patterns that I, that I, used, that I used to cope with um, a tragic situation um, came back flying at me. And, mm. and, and the consistency of my morning routine went out the window for two days. Mm. I didn't meditate and move my body. Um, and, and I had this, I had this craving to go smoke cigarettes. 
Hmm. I haven't smoked cigarettes in four years. I've I, I smoked cigarettes for 19 years, right? I'm, I'm guilty hmm. of that. But so it's just interesting to me how it, it sheds some light on, 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 on my practices and how they, they continue to, to need to be refined and continue to, to be focused and, and really, and not so much the same thing, right? Allow them to, to change and to move and to, and to grow and, and expand in, in, in ways that like you may not, you may not anticipate. So, mm -hmm. so when, when I came back online, if you will, <laughs> and mentally, um, I, I started with a different routine, um, same, same chunks of time, morning and night, but, but I changed up the, the, the order and I changed up the, the way in which I get to my meditation. I, I, I changed, I started meditating first and then doing breath work as opposed to doing meditation. So a little something like that, I'm invite the listeners out there to when, you, when, when something comes online to, that, that is, that is hard or difficult for you, it's really important that first you got to give yourself some grace. And number two, that the, that the practices you've already established and the, and the consistency that's there to hold, to hold you like, like that's the biggest, one of the biggest lessons I've learned from this whole piece with my father is the fact that I still have a lot of work to do and, and I still, and so when I came back online, my meditations and my breath work, it was like my first time, um, my first time going to church, if you will, not in like a physical church, but that first time I had, can remember having a connection to spirit or to God. It was as if that, that, that this, this thing happened for me to kind of relook at my, my practices. So so over your life, have, have they have they changed based on what's happening on the on the outside, or or are you so too, like, tied to those um, practices that they they don't change or fluctuate us? Yeah, is your dad doing better? Yes, thank you, Jen. Yeah, good. he's actually playing golf golf tomorrow. Oh, so good. My God, he's awesome. Made, he's made an extreme comeback. So awesome. Yeah, That's good you. to hear. Consistency is super important. I talk about it a lot with my students and clients and, uh, oh yeah, it showed up in my life. I mean, I'm going to be 63 in January and I feel as, as good as ever. And I really do feel like I just keep getting stronger and stronger. And that has to do with consistency. You know, what you do in your twenties affects your thirties, what you did in your thirties is going to affect your forties, et cetera. And that can be really scary <laughs> or that can be really encouraging. Right. And we're not, it's not about being perfect. But if there's something that wasn't working, you can pick it up. But to answer your question, consistency is super, super important. I think it's the number one thing on being successful in anything and whatever success means to you, whether it's just sure. being you know, happier or having a big goal or something like that. Absolutely. And that's why I say, you know, it's blocks of categories, right? It's the mental, it's the physical, you know, you have those categories, nutrition, and then you have a list in each one. At least that's what I do. We were just talking about that in class last night. I said, you know, make a list of all the things you enjoy, all the things you've done in the past that maybe you forgot about and things you'd like to try. And then you pick one out, you do it for a while, you enjoy it. And if you get to a point where you're either bored or you're not getting the results or you're doing it just to check off, stop. Yeah. Put those aside. Thank you. I'll be back to you. Or maybe I won't. And you go pick some other ones. So we all have a plethora of options. We just, again, need to take the moments to figure out what those are. But I love that you changed it up. I actually just recently changed the order of mine as well because you don't want to get stale. It shouldn't be about, okay, I have to do it. Anytime you use that language, bing, 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 that's a red flag, right? You want to do it because you enjoy it, because it brings you joy. 
And again, like I was saying before, if the time is less, like there's some days of the week where I'm teaching till 10, don't get home till 1030, have to get up and go, you know, do something the next morning, my window is going to be smaller. I'm still going to do them, but maybe I'm only going to do them for a few minutes as opposed to, you know, 10 or 20 or whatever it is. And um, I work in my rest days in there. So Wednesday morning is a pretty hectic morning. So I, that's my rest day. I don't get up and work out that day, but that's in my plan. I always have at least one day of not working out. Works out beautifully. I don't have to worry about that. Do the other stuff and move on. And the days like a weekend or, you know, when I have more time, oh, the luxury of being able to do those, you know, for a longer period of time is really beautiful. Yeah. Mm, really good insight in that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll ask the meditation question, the question that has to be asked. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we ask everyone this, this question. Yeah. yeah, everybody gets this question. So um, I, what, I am, what I am looking for from the answer here is not the physical components. It is not what's going on with the breath. It is what defines... Um, the difference between thinking with your eyes closed and, and your meditative experience. And sometimes the answer is I do not have a meditative experience. I, I participate in thinking with my eyes closed, which seems remarkably hard to me because I couldn't keep my eyes closed for that long if that were the case. Um, but I wanna know what your experience of meditation is like within you. Not, uh, not external, not mm -hmm. breath work within mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. That's worded a little See, bit different, Patrick. A beautiful job. Rephrasing <laughs> that, man. After a thousand times, you get yeah. better, right? There you go. <laughs> um, well, I, I think I understand what you mean. For me, it's coming home to myself. So it's, it's that time of, hmm. Just I, it's again that time of connecting to not only my inner child but who I am at a core, and then spirit is in there too. So it's sort of weave together. It brings me back to um, that's a hard answer. Hard to answer it, isn't it? Uh, I don't. It's just it's a super peaceful way of for me to just come back and center without any of the noise and. Uh, yeah, just seeing how I really am in that moment. But it's very, it's not time. Like it's very, I lose track of time and kind of track. I'll even sometimes come out of meditation and kind of forget where I am. So I kind of get lost and I can, I can do that pretty quickly. Like in Shavasana, when I do yoga, I can drop really fast and that's, that's pretty cool. So I don't know if I answered it, but that's, that's my answer. Yeah, thank you. What do you think, Johnny? Did she get the points? <laughs> yeah, give the points. Yes. Full points. Full points allowed, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but who's Johnny? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think um I think that there's been some really there's been some really fun threads that we've opened up here, and I hope that people will kind of dig into some of the some of the things we've touched on, because I think we've done a, a really nice job of touching on some, some new concepts, new ideas, uh, and hopefully, hopefully we've sparked we've sparked something within you today. Janet, I, uh, I appreciate so. you taking the time to sit with us. Absolutely. Wonderful for me to get to meet you, Brian to see you again. I'm sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. I got 
I got one more closing question, if if I if I could. Yeah, for um, sure. We always want to be respectful of our guests' time, Janice. So again, thanks for coming on. You're you're just a you're just such a bright light for for everyone that you come in contact with. I talk about you and your classes more more than mm -hmm. I talk about a lot of my experiences at Southwest Institute mm -hmm. of Healing Arts, and uh, your energy and your just your spirit is, is absolutely contagious. I knew that first night I walked into class, I knew two things. I knew one, I was a little intimidated by you. And I knew number two, you were gonna get the best out of me because mm -hmm. I because I, I understood how, because you, you walked the walk and you, you talked the talk. And when someone around me is doing that, I, I have to either meet them where they're at or I just I just can't see myself ever, ever falling short. So thank mm -hmm. you for, for all of that. And then I'll, then I'll close with this, with this one, with this one. So what has, what has influenced your life more? Is it the things you've said yes to or the mm. things you've said no to? Mm. I love that. I, boy, I really feel like both. I know maybe you're supposed to pick one, but I think when there's times when I've said yes, even though I'm scared, that helped me grow. And I can think of times when I've said no, which was really a the ultimate sacrifice and, or this ultimate um, act of self-care, you know? Beautiful. Yes. Uh, so yes. I think he, they're both really, really powerful. And I think that's what meditation and quiet time that we've been talking about really does is it helps you to get that center so that you can decide which way you want to go instead of, you know, I've been both where I say yes to everything and I've done where I've done no too much and then you miss out. So I think it's a balance, um, just like there is in so many things in life. So I think that's what I would say. Yeah, I just want to say nice to meet you, Patrick, and uh, real pleasure. And uh, Brian, always good to see you. It's been really amazing to watch your journey. Uh, I remember the first night I met you, I was subbing for somebody. That's right. And uh, you were the only, I think the only male in the room and it was great <laughs> to meet you. And then we've had a couple of classes and uh, your willingness to be vulnerable and courageous and, uh, and real has been really a joy to watch. And I'm. Uh, Really grateful for you in my life. Yeah, Thanks yeah. both. Appreciate thank, it. Thank you. I appreciate you thank so you. much. I look forward yeah. to our paths crossing again sooner than later. Absolutely. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Janet. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Thank you.